You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode down at Bedford's camera today. They've been gracious enough to let us use their back office. Um, awesome supporter of, uh, of This is Oklahoma and definitely the best place for you to go with all your camera needs, printing needs, anything really. They're, uh, they're awesome at it. Eric, you use this place too, right? Yeah, a couple times. <laughs> I hope you said yes. <laughs> mainly, mainly when I need to rent something. Rent something. So, yeah. yeah. So. Um, but yeah, uh, my co-host today is Eric Granado, has been on plenty of times, um, takes very good photos of cowboys and horses and Western-style stuff. Uh, go to his Instagram, eric.granado. But I'm more than just that, though. More like, than just that, yeah. I know. But people who are listening... I'm like, a person, too, Mike. Are you? So. Are you really? Not really. No. <laughs> uh, but no, Eric, obviously... Um, is like most uh, Oklahomans a huge Thunder fan, huge basketball fan, and I guess huge sports fan in general. If you've listened to mine and Eric's podcast, uh, you'll know that he moved to Portland and wanted to go work for Nike and ended up coming back to Oklahoma and got into taking photos of horses. But more than that, uh, but anyway, Eric has uh, set up the uh, the podcast today with our guest, which definitely knows a lot about basketball, a lot about the Thunder. Um, so it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Royce Young. So that sounds like a pretty natural career progression. Going. I, I know. One to go. Nike to f- taking pictures of horses. It's a great a, story. I used to be the biggest sneakerhead, and now it's like, God, I want these boots. Like, yeah, I just it's like I've completely switched, switched yeah. my my way when, of thinking. Whenever I I spend a lot of time in Portland, I always make it a point to go to that employee store. Oh, dude, that place is freaking cool it's, man. it's it's so awesome and like oh the funniest God. thing about it is is that you'll go and then like the team that's in town like that's playing the blazers will often go too and it's just funny to see like nba players in there like getting discount shoes i remember i saw like dennis Schroeder in there last year and i was like watching him and he's like clearly like shopping and i was like man that's just like funny he's in here too like trying to take advantage of the deal yeah so the nike employee store you have to know somebody at nike to get a pass okay. but when you go you go into it and it's all the newest stuff and it's half off yeah everything it's 50 percent off i think they've changed it since then i think yeah, it's like 40 percent. it might be now. 40 now but but i know people that have literally brought an empty suitcase just to go there Dude, yeah no i when i was living out there i went there like two or three times yeah. i bought way too much stuff yeah and guess what i'd do it all away. I didn't <laughs> ended up like because you're there and you're like, you don't think about oh, do I need this? It's like oh, dude, no, it's all fifty percent off. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like why new. not? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, when when Eric, when Eric sent me the message, he's like, hey, I think we should have this guy on the podcast to be awesome. Um, I was like, whoa, he's done some cool things. He's a yeah. writer, works for ESPN. Graduate from OU. Mm-hmm. Seems nah. like, a, and I'm wearing a Stillwater T-shirt. I didn't go to Stillwater. I, I just you. have a cool T-shirt on. So you know that, <laughs> that wasn't intentional. I didn't go to Arizona State, by the way, uh, either. So that's all right. It's fine. It's a good university, I'm sure. Uh, they have a great online program, apparently, if you read their ads uh, or listen to their ads. But um, I mean, where does it? Where does like the love of all this stuff? Actually, let's go back further. You born here? Okay. Yep. Okay. From Oklahoma, yep. Yeah, born and family raised. born and raised here? Uh, pretty much, yeah. My my mom's from like West Texas, but she moved here. My dad's basically lived his whole life. He wasn't born in Oklahoma, but he yeah, family moved here when uh, he was like two or something. Yeah. And so I'm born and raised, lived in 
lived I lived in like a suburb of Yukon for not even a suburb. It wasn't a town. It was called Banner. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. Small world. Banner Road. Cool. Yeah, I'm from, I graduated from Yukon. So, oh, really? Yeah. I, I lived out on Banner Road for um, up until I was like 14, and then we moved to Mustang. Yeah. Um, and that's where I still live, Mustang. Oh, the Mustang cool. area. Technically, I have an Oklahoma City address, but went to Mustang High School, and we live in that school district still. Uh, see, I don't yeah. like Mustang either. <laughs> so. Yeah, puke on Yukon. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have anything for Mustang. We just don't like them. So. Yeah. Uh, so just played every sport growing up kind of thing? Pretty much, yeah. Um, I was kind of uh, I was the best at baseball, so that was kind of always my sport, but played basketball, football, golf, baseball, um, everything pretty much growing up and thought I was a pretty good baseball player and like thought I could go play in college, which I did. I had a few like small school Mm -hmm. uh, options to go play, but kind of quickly realized uh, that, that maybe it was time to not (laughs) pursue that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and so I decided I wanted to go to OU and, and also at the time, uh, which she became my wife, but she, my girlfriend was going to OU. She's cheerleader. I always brag about that. She was going to OU and she was going to be a cheerleader. And so it was kind of, pretty easy decision of like, do I want to go to like some small junior college in Kansas where there's like 400 people in a town or do I want to go to OU, the school that I've always dreamed about going to where my girlfriend's at? I think yeah. I'm going to go to OU. And not have to worry about doing two a days and <laughs> yeah. baseball and dealing yeah. with sitting on the road the whole yeah. time eating McDonald's all, in the bus. All to realize then two years later that I'm not good enough. I've been there before. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I don't, I mean, I'm going to age you here. What year were you at OU? Uh, I graduated 2008. Okay. Uh, graduate. So I started 2004, graduated 2008. And were you going in with a business, like the idea to do a business degree, or did you really not know at that point? So when I, I actually spent my freshman year at a different school, but then I transferred to OU. So, and I went to Southwestern Oklahoma State mm-hmm. out in Weatherford. And when I went there, um, I went with my best friend that like, he was best man at my wedding. We were best friends since kindergarten and we we're both really scared to go to college because we were kind of homebodies, weirdos. And like we were like kind of like I don't know about this and we got there and we were like declare they were like declare a major on your like college application and we were like I don't know what to do <laughs> like I haven't really I mean everybody thinks like this is the biggest decision in your life what am I going to do and we were like let's just put down journalism <laughs> like that sounds fine <laughs> like, I guess so he was like I don't think there's much it, like we were looking at like the college requirements I think we talked to a counselor and they said you only have to take one math class if you do journalism we we're like that yes, sounds so rad done. let's yes. do journalism <laughs> yeah and so that was and I was kind of like I, I had a high school teacher that had like kind of encouraged me. We had done some creative writing and stuff like that in high school. Shout out Miss Hammer at Mustang High School. Um, and she had kind of encouraged me that she was like, I think you've got some writing ability. And so I was kind of had that in the back of my mind. And I, and I always thought like, it'd be kind of cool to be a sports writer, but like, I didn't actually think that was like a career path sure. for me. I thought it was more like, let's just get a college degree. Journalism sounds like an easy one to get. Like that, I'm going to go for that. Yeah. And journalism at that time is still magazine paper mm-hmm. and it's and yeah, I mean, like, website stuff. My like ultimate fantasy. I remember when I was at OU, you like we had a the college paper advisor like we had like a preschool year meeting and she went around and she was like what's your dream job she was kind of asking everybody what's your dream job for me it was like sports illustrated like that is like absolutely like pie in the sky if i could dream of playing for the new york yankees play shortstop it would be writing for sports illustrated so that's i mean that's and that you know that's not that long ago but i don't know that that many people would be like the fantasy would be writing for sports illustrated at this point but i mean yeah. gr- now up, it's boss stool right <laughs> basically yeah. Yeah. But i mean like growing up like every kid that. every kid that plays sports wants a subscription to sports illustrated right. so like doing that i bet that's almost like a childhood dream you yeah know? yeah not, i mean not, that i mean and that's that to me is like 
Yeah, I, I put Sports Illustrated when growing up like on like a pedestal. It mm-hmm. was like like the prestige of it and everything. Um, and so, I mean, and even then, that was when I was you know twenty years old, and like actually getting the degree. And I thought like that literally won't ever happen. I'll never write for Sports Illustrated, and I still have not written for Sports Illustrated. But um, I feel I feel pretty good about where I ended yeah. up. Yeah. So you go through that one year, and then the goal, obviously, after that one year is gonna go straight to OU yeah yeah so like I always kind of I always knew I would end up going to OU and um it just kind of increased that my girlfriend was at OU we have a car horn honking yeah well, I just want to make sure that's not my car <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know I'm, we're still listening it's not mine not my car that's no, good I think we're good I don't think it's mine either yeah that's fine added effect okay um, ambient noise yeah um yeah but since my my then girlfriend was at OU and I always like dreamed of going there I knew mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. um and it, I'd kind of overcome some of my maybe uh kind of juvenile fears of college that uh, I realized that like I think I'm, I'm ready to go to OU part of the problem for me was is that I literally didn't know anybody going to OU um most of my friends actually went to Oklahoma State mm-hmm. and uh, even though I grew up like born and bred sooner like that's my school I actually even kind of considered Oklahoma State I was like that's where all my friends are going yeah and so I was I part of the reason I didn't want to go to OU is I was like I don't I'm not, I don't have a roommate and like part of the, the rule at OU was you had to like live in the dorms your freshman year yep. I was like I'm gonna have to live with a rando I don't want to yeah. live with a rando like <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I'm a, I'll go to Southwestern and live with my best friend. That sounds way easier to me. And so then I, I sucked it up my sophomore year. The urge to go to OU and also my girlfriend um, was too much that I realized I'll, I'll live with some randos, I guess, yeah. and just go to OU. So you continued to do journalism at OU then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, at that point, I kind of realized that I think that was sort of a career path that I was interested in. And um, I really, like, you know, there there's a lot of, um, I don't know, it's it's – you kind of like the adrenaline rush of writing something and seeing your name the next day in the the paper and like going to a sporting event. It just, it became something a little more tangible to me. But even as I went through college at OU, like I never thought that like that would be like an actual career. I, I didn't, I didn't actually even start thinking that way and that I really wanted to pursue it until maybe like I graduated in four and a half years. So maybe that half semester, I was kind of like, yeah, maybe I could do this for like some sort of career. Because at that time, even still, like the career path into sports writing was kind of arduous. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. OK, you're going to get an internship and you're going to get this internship at like, you know, in some small paper in Lubbock, Texas, and you're going to cover high school softball, and then you're going to maybe get the high school football. And then like, I just was like, man, that just sounds like something I'm not interested Mm -hmm. in. So I was, I was more viewing it as I'm getting a writing degree and then I can go work for a company and write press releases or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever newsletters or something Mm -hmm. like that. It's kind of the way I viewed it at the time. But I mean, then, then you get a couple lucky breaks and things work out for you. Right. Uh, When you're at OU then, are you like, you know, I assume you're doing internships while you're at OU and just writing. No. No, not at all? <laughs> no. Not, not, I'm nothing. telling you, I, I have the most unconventional career path. So a colleague of mine uh, now, Baxter Holmes, yeah, we worked together at uh, – we were on the student newspaper at OU together and we like took completely opposite paths. It's like so funny. We're both at ESPN now. And, uh, he was like capital J journalism kid, like went to journalism camps and like, was like, he like interned for like the Boston globe intern for the LA time. He was like Mr. Journalism guy. And I was like the complete opposite. The, the internship I did was right for the student newspaper. That's okay. all I did. Um, I took an extremely unconventional path into it, which I think has actually kind of become a little bit more of the, of a normal ish path. But mm-hmm. for me, it was like, yeah, I, 
I, I did it wrong. Okay. Like yeah. if there's any young student out there listening, I did it the wrong way. I just got super lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no real, like, I guess, super defined road to success, right? You always see that entrepreneur guy drawing on a whiteboard and it's like, here's my road to success. He's yeah. doing a bunch of squiggly lines or whatever. <laughs> I mean, dude, I literally wanted to work at Nike and now I do cowboy stuff. Like there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no linear path to yeah. where I'm at right now. Yeah. So it's like, honestly, I, I don't even think it's like a squiggly line. I think it like jumps to another set of tracks it's a different yeah, board completely. yeah it's like dude <laughs> like i don't even know where i'm at where i am right now yeah um so ou's going great wife's still chilling is girlfriend still cheerleading mm-hmm. captain um, she's a captain at this really point. oh, okay. she's, moved. Okay. she's really yeah. you did pretty really well. i'm moving yeah. up too if yeah, you know exactly. I mean. <laughs> yeah yeah so you you know you're at the front and center in every game right watching it the yeah. whole time i see yeah or are you writing yeah, for every yeah. game uh, I, I did cover the ou football team that was actually a big thrill was when we both were like doing stuff like yeah. uh like she like i remember i went on a my I don't know, I think it was my junior year that I was covering OU football. And, like, I did road games, and she was there. And it was kind of mm-hmm. you know, an, an exciting thing to kind of be like, we're both doing, like, things. Because, again, we're, like, total OU people and grew up loving the, the university. So it was kind of a thrill to – but I, I wouldn't say that I was, like, watching her at the games. I'm not going to – I was I, – I, I, she was there. I'm sure well, somewhere. every day anyway. But, right? yeah, but, yeah. like, I was I was definitely I'm – a, I'm a football person. You had a blog there at OU, right? I think that's kind of how ESPN kind of so, got – So, yeah, so, like, I, when the team relocated from Seattle, mm-hmm. um, I did I started a Thunder blog. And that was my, like – half semester that like we I'd actually gotten married to my girlfriend Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was kind of like I had I had been writing for the student newspaper and that was when it kind of became like okay what what's the what's the future what do I do after college Um, and I had a a part-time job uh, that I had lined up and I was gonna have to stop writing for the student newspaper because like that doesn't pay any money and I'm married now and so I had a part-time job at OU and marketing set up and so uh, the team relocates from Seattle and they they and I, I I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan and I'd been follow I followed the Cubs through this team blog. I know, oh, sorry. Man. Do you not like the Cubs? I'm a Cardinals fan oh, wow, too. That sucks for uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so I followed the Cubs through this blog called Bleed Cubby Blue, and I was kind of mm-hmm. thinking to myself like I'm missing writing. I'm not writing for the student newspaper anymore, and um, there's maybe I could do this blog thing about the Thunder. Nobody's doing that yet. Maybe I could just kind of you know scratch that that mm-hmm. that writing itch that I'm missing right now and so I just started like a random blog like just that and literally not knowing much about the NBA whatsoever mm-hmm. um, and just kind of thinking like that that'd be something I could try out yeah. and uh, you know things kind of worked out with now, it now you recorded back in 2009 oh. saying the Thunder basketball will never be as big as OU football <laughs> because OU football is king in the I state of Oklahoma and will when never you, when you ever that today, I, I was where like, do you stand on that statement 11 years later um, I've actually are, been asked that before because somehow that that statement follows me that was back when i had takes i'm afraid to have a t- <laughs> i'm afraid to have a take these days uh, you get held way too accountable for having a take um i mean i, I agree with it uh well i don't know i feel like it, that, that gap is way closer than i ever thought it would be i think ou football still probably rules the day overall like in the totality of the state because mm-hmm. um, i don't know how many people like you know and Duncan, Oklahoma, care about the Thunder or whatever, you know. Yeah. Shout out Duncan. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a random town. <laughs> don't take offense. Um, but, like, I don't know how. I, I, I feel like the Thunder is something that's a little more closely followed in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Uh, then OU football, like, reaches the entire, like, spectrum of the state. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it is, like, 
in terms of like mm-hmm. fandom, it's it's a lot closer than I ever thought. I think oh yeah, I think Thunder. I mean, it brings together OU and OSU fans and Texas fans like myself. Mm. So and hey, you're a Texas guy. That's too? what I'm saying, dude. Oh, like I really can't is. I can't stand you already. But, uh, <laughs> this is rough. But yeah, so it's like I mean, it brings everybody you know that hates each other usually together. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. cool. Yeah. And plus, the Thunder obviously being in the NBA, they got a worldwide following. So yeah, I mean, but in the state, I mean. Maybe. I think that there's maybe a little bit more of a pride element in the Thunder, yeah. um, just because kind of what it represents for the state of Oklahoma mm-hmm. and Oklahoma City, and kind of how you know I'm a lifelong Oklahoman, so I I make no bones about saying it, but like Oklahomans have a total little man syndrome, like oh yeah, they always sure. had it, always wanted oh, yeah. to puff our chests out and you know want people to notice us and take us seriously, and the Thunder has kind of been like the thing that's sort of done that a little bit is that it's legitimized like Oklahoma City and made people kind of realize that it's not this little tumbleweed town where everybody's you yeah. know we're still dial up internet around here so I think a lot of people take a lot of pride in that I think it's really cool I think seeing the impact just having a sports franchise a major sports franchise mm-hmm. in a city I mean the Thunder I think can attribute to the growth of Oklahoma City and, and you know to the economy of Oklahoma mm-hmm. City, and it's grown so much yeah. since the Thunder have gotten here, and I think that's just due to the I mean, I, I think following. That, you know, like the people that I talked to about it, they would tell you that eventually Oklahoma City was going to get to some of the things, sure. but the Thunder kind of helped accelerate it, yeah. and I think kind of put an urgency to kind of um, you know build up the city, and I think it also kind of encouraged citizens to realize, like, oh, that's kind of what like a like a higher level city might look like. And Mm -hmm. I think that you start kind of like noticing your peers, whether that's a Portland, whether that's Mm -hmm. a San Antonio, Salt Lake City, Memphis, some of these cities that are kind of like on your your plane and you kind of start saying, well, if if they're like that and we're playing the same type of basketball against them and our basketball team's better than them, like our city needs to be equal to them too. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's encouraged people to still kind of take that, um, you know, very civic duty to kind of continue to further the city, pass more more taxes on ourselves, and and uh, really try to kind of invest themselves in, yeah. into the growth of the city. Yeah. So at that, like, half semester, when you're finishing up school and you're thinking that, oh, yeah, this could actually be a career for me, and you start this Daily Thunder blog, mm-hmm. and it kind of takes off, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what, because... Are you thinking, like, I'm definitely going to go do something in, in journalism? Or are you like, I have, like, an idea of what I'm going to try and do, you know? Yeah, I would say it was definitely more I have an idea. Yeah. Um, because, again, I, I didn't see myself doing the newspaper path, and that was kind of where, you know, a job might mm-hmm. might be. Um, I was working. I had gotten a full-time job working in marketing at OU at that point, converted from part-time to full-time. And, I, I mean, I was working, but I was really just doing my blog while yeah. I was at OU. And so... Um, like it was kind of something where it I, I, I would I was think trying to kind of think of a way to be like, how can I be entrepreneurial with this? Maybe I can turn Daily Thunder into its own like career. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure that kind of next step out. But I I'd, I'd kind of rigidly decided, like, this is really what I would like to do for a job. And I used to think like the, my, my career path is I'm just going to get a job that pays me OK and that like I can have a house and I can have a family and like that's what I want. And then I started to realize like, no, I think I really kind of want like a career that's really fun and yeah. like something that like I'm going to really, really enjoy doing. And that uh, and then that's when I kind of like recognize like I want to I want to be in this business. And even though it's a challenging business to be in, it's still extremely volatile. You know, the you know, it, I don't know how long you can you know, it's hard to last a long time in it. But um 
at that point it was like, how do, how do I, how do I make this a full-time job? And again, I just got super lucky. My first like actual full-time job, CBS sports hired me to be like a aggregating blogger of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing that alongside daily thunder. And that was, you know, shortly after, uh, shortly after that, probably 2010, maybe yeah, somewhere in there. So you're still working at OU, and then they see, I guess, you get a phone call or an email that says, hey, we like what you do with yeah. Daily Thunder. Pretty much, yeah. Come hang out, work with it's, us. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Right out of college. Like, somebody's yeah, I mean, spamming me right that's now. What, that's what, like, it's funny. Like, people kind of, like, sometimes I'll go I'll go talk to a lot of college classes, and they'll ask you things about a cover letter or a resume. I was like, I've literally never yeah. written a cover letter. I've re- I, I guess I, I did a resume when I applied at OU, but, yeah. like, for the for the current, like, industry I'm in. I've never done an interview. I've never done, like, you know, I've never done those things. Yeah. It's always been, uh, the, the way in is kind of different than that. Your, your interview and career, your cover letter, your resume is just like the work you're producing, you know? Yeah. So like, um, yeah, that, that was, it was kind of a shock. The, the funny thing was I, I'd gotten hired full time at OU. I'd like applied for it and after working part time for a while. And, uh, I, I remember getting my like like they ordered me business cards because I was going to, my, my role was going to be like social media specialist. It was when Twitter and those things were like starting to kind of happen back in 2010. And I was like, you know, I'm the young guy, so you got to know how to do it. And so I was social media specialist and I get these cards and I I don't remember how many, it was like 500 business cards, like, like the OU emblem on them, everything. Royce Young, social media specialist. And like literally the day that like my boss comes in and like hands me all my cards, I had to like walk back into her office like two hours later and be like, hey, I'm putting in my two weeks. <laughs> like, oh <my> <laughs> like, have the, I don't know if you want the cards back, but like, I'm definitely going to go take this other job. Yeah. Wow. And that was in Oklahoma City? So I got to stay in Oklahoma City, yeah. So it was just like uh, writing for CBS. You know, they're based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. But yeah. um, like it was essentially I was just an NBA writer. I got to produce some original stuff, report some original stories for them. Um, but for the most part, it was like kind of like sitting around. Like I kind of had like a shift that I worked uh, throughout the day and like I'd monitor news happening, trades, injuries, mm-hmm. reaction on anything and like kind of just take it react to it and that like you know i'd post like seven eight times a day and uh, all while also still i had worked it out with cbs that i could still do daily thunder yeah uh kind of in concert with that that's so cool to just stick to your guns and just say i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna do this and to see it pay off i bet that's so just like it's a little unlike myself to like, do wow, that. <laughs> wow i actually did something i, I felt you know it's, it's funny to look back on it i remember quitting the job at ou Cause, and like, it wasn't like some great job or anything, but like, but it it paid the bills. It it definitely, it it paid more than CBS was going to, I think. And it was like, I had OU benefits and like, it was like my first real job. And and so I'd, you know, only worked at it for like a month. And I remember like kind of laboring over the decision as if it was a decision, but I was thinking like, oh my gosh, am I really going to quit the job and like go like, oh my gosh. And like, of course I was going to do that. It was like the dumbest thing ever. (laughs) But I remember like struggling with the decision of like, what do I do? How do I quit? Like, oh, it's going to be brutal. Like, that was a pretty easy choice really in retrospect. So... And you would, so when you went to CBS, you were covering basketball in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Right? Pretty much exclusively, yeah. So growing up as well, is basketball, was basketball like always in your life growing up? I mean, I played like college basketball was. No, like, I mean, I would never try to like kind of inflate my like expertise, but like I didn't start following the NBA rigidly until the, the Thunder arrived. Yeah. And um, I was ignorant. I w- if you would have rewound and, and if, if I had written something about the NBA back in 2006, I would have do- totally been the guy go- making the case that college basketball is better than the NBA and here's why. <laughs> yeah. This is like the dumbest. That, that would be like me staying at OU for that other job. That was a bad take. 
mistake. <laughs> like right. that was like college basketball is not better than the NBA, but um, I would have been that guy. I, I mean, I followed it kind of casually. I watched the playoffs. Sure. Mm-hmm. I like Kobe and Shaq. You know, I liked, you know, that type of stuff, but like I was not, I was not in the weeds at all, like following the day to day world yeah, of the yeah. NBA whatsoever. Which then you obviously dove straight in. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, like, have to know the ins it, and outs. It now. kind of, yeah, I mean, the, the Thunder being here kind of like was a crash course for everybody. And so you started to follow it. And that's what, you know, if you rewind and you go find, before Daily Thunder, I actually start, my first blog was called thethunderworld.blogspot.com, which I think it still exists. I, I don't know. But you could probably go find like 20 really bad posts about like <laughs> just really dumb things, things like, Thought things that I thought were smart at the time, but I was so ignorant about the NBA. I didn't know how <laughs> yeah. anything worked. I was just kind of like, I was like, I was kind of like your just litmus test of every Oklahoma City person, like that was like, okay, here's the NBA. Is LeBron James a real person? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I wrote something. I made an impassioned case about why the Thunder should trade for Richard Hamilton. I remember, and I the thought it was like this really great <sighs> idea. <laughs> Man, if the Thunder were around in like 2003, I'd say. I know, but this was uh, 2008, but, no, and uh, no. I was like, and like just not understanding at all. Like, like roster building, salary cap implications, none of that stuff. Um, I thought it was like this, but like that's what that's what kind of bloggers did though. You just kind of mm-hmm. took a took a topic and just riffed on it a little bit. But yeah, I had to I had to learn as I went. Yeah, it's not as loose now, is it? <laughs> you don't get as much like no. if you say something now, someone is on no, you. No, that's what I don't. Yeah, I, I I try to just stick to the reporter element these days rather than the the take artist stuff. Yeah, but I mean like learning about the NBA and doing so much with that like. You have to know salary cap. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, you got to know the ins and outs of the business. Like, yeah, I, you've had to learn all that. Oh, just, yeah, yeah. just from writing. Basically, you learn a right? lot of it kind of organically, like uh-huh. just because like something comes up where it's like, okay, so this trade happened. What what does it mean? And then like you know, the more connected you get, then you start talking to agents and executives mm-hmm. and other people in the league, and they they kind of educate you for you. Like, you know, you get a call about a trade, and they'll be like, okay, so and here's what the here's why we did it because you know they're making their case, they're trying to you know, show why they did a smart thing. Um, so you kind of can't help but learn about it. But it's funny, I think back to Baxter, I remember Baxter's first NBA job was, I think, covering the Celtics for the Boston Globe because he had written about, um, I think he was like a general enterprise reporter for the Los Angeles Times, and then he got hired to cover the Celtics for the Boston Globe. And I remember Baxter sent me an email. It was like, hey, man, can you give me like a crash course on like some of this collective bargaining stuff? And because mm-hmm. it's like that's that's the way a lot of people feel because it is it is such an important element of actually covering the NBA and a yeah. lot of a lot of casual fans like they want to just kind of ignore some of that stuff, but like it's what the league is like mm-hmm. the financial element and and what it means and it's why teams do trades and why they don't do trades, yeah. and so it it's a really important part of it. Um, so understanding that, understanding a lot of just the way the league works itself. Um, you know, that's just stuff that you just learn over time. I mean, I've been covering the NBA now for like 12 years, so I've got a wow. pretty good feel, of, yeah. <laughs> feel yeah. of how it goes. Hey, I can't just say, like, well, we're going to trade Blake Griffin for, <laughs> you know, this bench guy. Let's make it work. <laughs> yeah. you know, I just can't do it. Yeah, it's not fantasy basketball. Yeah, just, not, not 2K Yeah, either, it's not so. 2K where it's like, hey, the, the, the light went green. It was, says it works. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I've done that way too many yeah. times. Uh, so when you're doing all this and you're like getting into it and, and you know you're at CBS like Twitter is like your main spot right mm-hmm. so I mean, you have a great following on Twitter and you obviously got in there early enough yeah. and established yourself um, I think if someone probably went to your Twitter account now and sees it and they're like whoa how's he done that and you're like well he's been on it for I've like 10 for, 12 yeah, years yeah. <laughs> like that's why I think I've been uh, on it since 2009 maybe yeah. yeah so what you know what's what are the people going to see if they go back and scroll through all those tweets 
Probably a lot more homerism <laughs> early on. <laughs> I was a little more raw, raw back in like back when I was just a blog boy. Um, and then I, blog boys. I, I, shout I out yeah, blog boys. shout out blog boys. Oh yeah. Uh, but I tried to kind of. I I realized early on. I mean, it was just part of an evolution, you yeah. know, like where I kind of. I always, from the very beginning, wanted to take a little bit more of a professional approach to daily. That's why it was called Daily Thunders, because I wanted to, to have this sort of element of like being a newspaper, yeah. capital J journalist type of thing. Well, also kind of, you know, Bill Simmons was a huge influence of mine growing up. So you kind of lean into kind of the fandom element. But I was always very conscious about never saying we or us about the Thunder. Uh, early on, I absolutely was rooting for them when I was uh, mm-hmm. doing Daily Thunder. I definitely don't now. I just, I, I don't. It's just uh, disconnected so much from it, and it's so much more of a job. Um, but so, like, I, I think that, like, early on, you would definitely find a little a little bit more of that type of, type of stuff. And then over time, I realized the... Is that I, just kind of like the fan, like the... F- fanboy like f- kind of fading away like not being biased anymore is that just kind of like okay well this is my job so I'm yeah i think it, so know? and like and just realizing like what was the smart thing to do for a career yeah um you know how to you, you know and understanding what credibility is and how how to build that across the mm-hmm. league and you want people to take you seriously and and i mean there's no doubt about it like i always tell people like it's not that I'm rooting against the Thunder by any means. And, and in some ways, I kind of root for the people within the organization that mm-hmm. I know really well. Mm-hmm. I want to see them succeed. I like a lot of the people. Um, you know, I want to see Sam Presti do well. I want to see yeah. Billy Donovan do well. Some of the players that I know. I, I'm, I would like to. And then selfishly, um, I don't really cover the Thunder specifically anymore. But, like, the better they do, the better it is for me. I've mm-hmm. never never denied yeah. that. So, uh, you know, I think that. There, that that part of it exists, but uh, you just kind of disconnect from like the go team go stuff. You but know? is there yeah. a team you hate based on the Thunder? The any, any Thunder rivalry? Yeah, like can you openly admit that? Because you're not you're supposed to be unbiased, but more, I mean more based on experiences. Yeah, but based on you know Thunder's rivalry, do you do you have any team you hate? Guys, uh, I can name a couple right off the top. Want to just run down the teams that you don't? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know that there's a team that I don't like. There's teams that aggravate me about the way that they 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 do things or the way that they, you know, like I wouldn't even. This is their fan base is so sensitive, so I hesitate to even say anything. Nobody listens um, to this. Outside <laughs> <Oklahoma>. <laughs> but like you know, like like. It's more fan base driven, you know, like that's yeah. what it, it really kind of comes down to. Because like the organizations themselves, for instance, here's a for, for example, like the Houston Rockets, really well run organization. Daryl mm-hmm. Morey's a top notch GM. Um, they do things differently than other teams, but like the organization itself is great. You can feel a way about James Harden, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like the Rockets themselves, great organization, great players, great team. I agree. Their fan base is extremely aggravating. Oh, it's <laughs> disgusting. You know, and so like yeah. that, it's sometimes a little hard to disconnect those two things when you got like fan bases just constantly chirping at you yeah. and like getting on you and you know twi- tagging ESPN in in tweets just telling them to fire you and like that type of stuff like gets old after a while and there's certain fan bases that do that more than yeah. others oh, was man. it was it tough early on to like um you know like not be an absolute fan about like you know and and like have to split you know I have to do my job and I have to tweet out these things but as a fan I really want to tweet these things yeah oh yeah and I mean right? and I think I still kind of battle that to some degree especially with players that I know well or like that I like a lot yeah um and like you know I used to be a lot my wife uh gets uh, upset at me about this but I used to be I'm, I'm shouting myself out I used to be funnier on Twitter <laughs> than, I, than I am now <laughs> I was always very snarky and very kind of sarcastic and I really like like to kind of tweet funny observations right. throughout games and like Love that. and and 
people like always like to kind of like follow me during a game because I was always kind of just Live like tweeting, tweeting and just, you know, going just off, stupid yeah. observations throughout a game. And I definitely don't do that very much anymore. And it's like because I've kind of leaned into the professionalism and and you get a little self conscious about who follows you mm-hmm. and like whether that's peers, whether that's executives, whether that's players, whether that's yeah. people in the league itself. So like you kind of get self conscious about that and like you know it, it got really tiring for me to make kind of just some harmless snarky joke and then get a call from a GM the next day and be like, why did you tweet this? Yeah. <laughs> and like it just, or an agent's like kind of barking at you over it. And it's like, that just gets really old. Yeah. See people, and especially now seem to get very offended over yeah. very little. So you like, you make a joke about Kyle Singler's hair looking dumb or something. I and mean, then you get, did. you know, yeah. But then you get <laughs> a call about it and you're like, okay, I was just making a joke. Yeah. Jeez. I thought it was funny. You should just say you're a comedian. Yeah. You know, no. And you get away with it. I, know, but I say sure. that you could try and get yeah, away with used things. To. Uh, so you're at CBS. Um, you're like taking, you know, you quit your job at OU. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't really hard. Decision. <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess you take. Wasn't as hard as I made it out. Yeah, to Yeah, you've taken less money to be at CBS. How soon do you go from, you know, working for them to like, are you walking in the Thunder Arena at that point? And mm-hmm. you know, you're on like, because there's different levels of, yeah, of yeah. like journalism at OU at. at at the Thunder Arena, right? right you're either yeah. like behind the bench or you're in the sky with right, right. the newbies. <laughs> yeah. I love how they like power rank people based on where they seat them. That's how I used to always feel about it. I was always very sensitive to where they put me in the seating assignment. Yeah. Uh, I actually remember the first game that they put me down low and I was like, I made it! <laughs> I'm down low! Like, I'm and actually going to work And today, it really though. was just because somebody else didn't show up <laughs> and I just got their seat. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of part of it. Daily Thunder was just me and yeah. so I was kind of like building the, the site's credibility based on myself and... Um, so like there was, but see, being like working at CBS Sports kind of helped yeah. legitimize some of that type of stuff. So it was kind of like that dual thing going on. But um, I don't really remember when I took. I, I I didn't cover a single game as a like a reporter the first season the Thunder were here. I, I was literally going to games as a fan with a ticket in my hand, yeah. putting on the playoff shirt. Um, then I think the second season, I did start going to more games. Uh, as a, as I think I I did get credentialed early on, like the whole like credentialing bloggers thing was still very shady. Mm-hmm. They did the NBA didn't know how to do it. I remember asking for a credential, and they the Thunder. This was maybe that second season, and they told me no, we don't credential bloggers. And I knew for a fact that some bloggers in other markets were getting credentialed. Yeah. Portland Trailblazers were credentialing bloggers, and so <laughs> it's funny to think back on it. So I just guessed. I was like. I, like based on like the PR guy's email that I had, it was like I don't remember what the email address was. You know, mm-hmm. something something at I think at the time it was like OKC Thunder dot com or whatever. And I was like, I wonder if that same formula counts for Sam Presti. So I was like mm-hmm. S Presti at whatever, and I just sent a random email. I was like, Hey, your guys aren't credentialing me. I'd really like to. Yeah. And he responded to me, and it was like, I'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so Everyone listening Sam's is going to do the exact same thing. Right Sam's now. <laughs> the one that got me in the door. The first the at early on is he, he kind of I guess weirdly had known of who I was or what I was doing yeah. and kind of out like kind of was like you know why don't you come and try it out and uh, they kind of monitored me to make sure that I wasn't weird yeah. and uh, so then I kind of started I was kind of going to games as a reporter sometimes going as a fan I remember um my wife and I went to a game one time we were sitting in Loud City and we'd never like jump seats before ever in yeah. our lives and we were like I, we were like we're gonna do it we're gonna move down this game and so like um, and mind you I'd never met Presty at this point in person and so like we're eyeballing these two seats and we're like okay third quarter we're moving to these seats if nobody shows up to them that means nobody's there and so we eyeball these two seats like the whole first half nobody shows up at them we finally move down like mid third quarter move down in the seats and 
like mid like towards the end of the third quarter, Presty and uh, then assistant GM Troy Weaver come walking up. Oh and my Sam, God. Sam goes, he goes, are these your seats? And I just looked at him and I was like, no. And uh, he doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know who I am. And he just says, are these your seats? And I said, no. He goes, at least you're honest. And then he just sits down next to me in the two empty seats next to me. And I'm like, I'm like looking at Carrie, my wife. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm sitting next to Sam. He doesn't know who I am yet. This is super weird. At that point, I'm kind of geeking out because I'm like, so then I lean over and I was like, hey, Sam, uh, my name is Royce Young. I run Daily Thunder. And he was like, oh, it's nice to meet you. He was like, do you write all your stories like sitting here at games? Like, how did, and I was like, no, I'm just at this one as a fan. (laughs) And so I was, um, I, 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 I say that just to make sure that, like, I was super small time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you guys laugh about that now. Yeah, I, I, Sam even remembers it. I don't even know if he remembers that exchange. But, yeah, we've we've definitely, I mean, we've been in it, and we've known each other for a long time now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. That's, That's hilarious. That's, <laughs> That's great. There has, I mean, there has to be more as well, more random stories like oh, that. Yeah, just yeah. Showing it pays up to be fan. honest. <laughs> Kids, if you're listening. That's what he said. So, well, yeah, hey, at least ask you're for honest. forgiveness, right? What is that whole quote yeah. about, you know? Then I felt like Dad was watching me, though. I was like, good Good play, good play, Russell. Yeah, good like, I didn't know how to like. I didn't know how to watch the I game. You're sitting next to the the guy running the whole show. Yeah, so. the guy who's just got you your credentials. Yeah, yeah, doesn't know. know it yet. Yeah, or right. Does know it now. That's. Uh, has there been like times where, you know, like you mentioned when you got that seat down on the floor or whatever because someone didn't show up and you're like, I actually have to work. But also as a fan, mm-hmm. like. You mean you're on pretty much on the floor? Oh yeah, I mean like if you can't appreciate that type of stuff, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like I remember when I was at OU, um, I'm gonna crush Baxter one more time. He was actually our sports editor one semester, and he was like sharing this like grand quote from some sports writer that was like, "The best sports writers don't actually like sports. They just they're just in it for the storytelling, and like the sports are just the vehicle to the story." And I was like, "That is some." You yeah. know what? Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. that is ridiculous. Like, I'm in this because I love sports. Like, sports are awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like, I like going to games, like watching players. I like watching cool dunks and neat passes and all that stuff. Yeah. And so, I've always felt like uh, if you can't kind of appreciate the fact that you're at something really freaking awesome, like, then you're just not in the right business. Well, like, it should reflect in your writing. Too. Oh yeah, I mean that's that was kind of my whole thing early on, especially is like I wanted people to feel like they're like I'm having fun watching the game. So hopefully you're having some fun reading how I watch the game. And like, uh, I've always felt like you can really tell when somebody like cares about what they're writing about and, um, you know, that energy kind of comes through. So I, I, I always have now, you know, I mean, you can kind of become a little bit jaded. There are times, you know, I've got a family now and there's times where I'm like getting on a flight to go somewhere and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to go. I was was going to ask you, it was like, do you ever feel like. It's like, it's like you just don't want to go. Like yeah, you know, all the time. Can I just watch it on TV? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a homebody. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And so like, I mean, but there have been times. I remember there was a playoff series where I'd like done a series and I was like turning around. And I, I'd spent one day at home and I was getting on a flight to go right back to a second round playoff series. And I remember standing there and I was like, this sucks. I was like, this sucks so bad. And it, like I had this kind of wake up moment that there was like this group of guys like wearing like kind of loose ties and they were kind of they're. Their suits were kind of disheveled, and I was like, I wonder where they're going. They're probably going to some boring ass conference somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm going to like game one of like the Western semifinals here to for, and they're and I'm being paid to go to it for Got crying out loud in a cool city. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just need to shut up. <laughs> do, do you do you fly on the team plane? Is that no, how that no, works? No, no. Okay, I gotta, I, I gotta yeah. Oh, but, man. I mean, yeah, it's. 
back well, of the bus. Yeah, it is. It would be a huge advantage to be able to to jump on that because you know you got a connection, especially living in OKC. You got to mm-hmm. connect everywhere you go. They fly back like the team would fly back the night of the game. Yeah, I fly back the next morning, and the, oh. like, so then like especially during the playoffs, it's a crush because you're like flying, you connect, you get back, and then you're trying to rush to get to the next practice, and then you, hopefully you get to the practice. And so, like, I mean, boo-hoo, I know. Who cares about <laughs> Sounds me? Sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I hate traveling through airports. I mean, I love traveling, but the whole airport thing is yeah. a pain in the ass. Um, so when does ESPN come along? So ESPN, I, I think I worked for CBS. I actually remember my first day at CBS was the night before LeBron's decision, so that would have been 2010. And then I think ESPN hired me in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, like I said, I was still doing Daily Thunder. And I actually started kind of, ESPN had reached out to me, and they were interested in hiring me maybe as early as like late 2012. Um, but it was just a kind of a long process for them to get to the point where they could like, tangibly offer me an actual job and um so it was kind of like this process to get to it and there's a lot of talking and a lot of like waiting and hoping for the right phone call waiting and hoping to talk to the right person and uh it finally came through and i i think i started working at espn like spring of 2014 i think i think it was the thunder spurs series uh, maybe they played in the Western Finals or something that year. I think I covered that officially. For No, I remember I covered Kevin Durant's uh, MVP speech. That was like my first true, like, I'm working for ESPN assignment, I think, yeah. if I remember right. Which, I mean, I know nobody really likes him now, but that was a great speech. It was. That was a really good It was, it was really nice. As someone who, like, see, watches people and tries to learn about public speaking. Yeah. He did pretty well. For yeah, it was that. good. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you love moms, you should love yeah. that speech. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, mom's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. that much. Um, so, I mean, what do you? I got to go back to like 2011, 12 when they make the finals. Like, what are yeah. you doing? And like, what is that whole experience like for you as a writer? Uh, really surreal. I mean, it like. I remember um, when the Thunder made the finals, uh, like, you know, everybody descends on Oklahoma City, you know, and it becomes kind of like the hub of the NBA, mm-hmm. especially because games one and two were in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are kind of coming in that I'm getting to meet face-to-face that maybe I hadn't known. I'd, I'd done, I think, two All-Star games, and All-Star games are kind of that same type of thing. But you're getting to meet people, connect with people. That's, again, so much of what any career is. is um, So, like, oh, you're Royce. You do the, the Thunder blog. Oh, and so, like, you know, that was really helpful. But just kind of having it in your backyard, you know, there was um, – it was – very very strange and for a lot of people it was like maybe a little too much too fast you mm-hmm. know to kind of experience the NBA finals in year what was that year four yeah I think maybe um, and even me I think it was kind of like it just kind of goes over it kind of went over my head of like really what it was you know there was a little bit uh, I think some of the entitlement fans feel now was a result of that but yep. for me it was um, it was more of like kind of awesome just to see like OKC be showcased mm-hmm. and for me get, <laughs> to selfishly get to meet some people that that helped me down the line yeah that's been really cool I mean I I came to the States in August 2011 so I remember it a little bit um, and I was interviewed I did an interview with um, Sam Anderson who does the Boomtown mm-hmm. book yeah Sam's um, a friend of mine yeah so I did an interview with him and I interviewed him and I was talking to him about Thunder and stuff and and basically I I and I regret this. And I don't even know why I'm repeating it. But I basically said it was kind of a good thing that Russell like got injured because I wasn't a true Thunder fan back then. <laughs> but now I am, so it would mean a lot more now than it would if they'd have won back then. Um, I got blown up by the, for that a lot 
people yeah. people seem to enjoy that you're, one, you're a, which I'm going to again. Which you're is a secret Patrick Beverly lover, and yeah. now you're coming clean on this. <laughs> uh, but Sam, awesome book. Uh, yeah. Done some great things, and, and people should definitely go buy and read that book. Have you read that yet? i got to be honest, I don't read a lot, so uh, maybe that's it, why I don't have a, a lot to book. say. I mean, the first chapter so. is just about James Harden's beard, mm. I think, something like that. So, oh, man. Interesting guy. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so back to ESPN stuff. Um, I mean, you know, we've been speaking for almost 45 minutes about what your job is like, what you do, but what's the cool things you get to do? Like, what are, what's, what's the stuff that people would, I guess, take for granted or not know, like the, um, the cool experiences that you've had and things that you've seen and like just, you know. Oh, I mean, geez. Stuff like that. I mean, there's got to be a ton of things. Oh, I mean, like, you know, being up close and personal and seeing like the behind the scenes of like a team winning a title. Like I, I was in the locker room. Uh, with the Spurs when they won in 2014, I think they what? won. What? I mean, you yeah. behind that? Oh yeah, my so I was like gosh. in the locker room, like taking notes, you know, watching them pop champagne, pour it all over each other. I mean, like stuff like that. Like, I, you know, I picked up a couple like champagne corks and like I still yeah. have them, you know, I was like, yeah. here's the Spurs champagne corks, you know? Wow. And so like uh, that type of stuff is, you know, when I go through, like sometimes people are like, what's the best games you've ever been at? And I'm like, oh man, you should, you should hear some of the games I've been at. Like Ray Allen hitting the three in game six in Miami. I was at that game. You know, like, uh, you know, Dame's shot against the Thunder, uh, Steph's shot against the Thunder, Game 6 against the... Like, yeah. I mean, I've been at 50 Pretty of, like... All the, of them. Yeah, I mean, like, some just incredible games that I've gotten to cover, and... Uh, I mean, I like then there's just like the personal experiences, like Russell Westbrook winning MVP. Like mm-hmm. he was gracious enough to like sit down after it and do like a one-on-one interview with me for SportsCenter. Really, and, like that was just wow. really cool, just to sit there with Russ and like yeah. to do that, like right after he'd won MVP. Um, it's kind of surreal to think about. Like, I mean, heck, now I guess recent memory, but like uh, covering the 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 virus outbreak on March 11th mm-hmm. like that was kind of like a surreal moment especially like the feet like well, hearing from there, hearing right? from so many people that had watched me that night and like um and it was kind of like crazy to think about like kind of being behind the scenes of that and seeing like you know health officials show up and you know with masks and hazmat suits and all that types of stuff so uh i mean geez i, I don't know i don't know if I, could, I would have to sit back and really think about i feel like a player right now when they're like oh, i'll have to sit back and think about it yeah. later but like i really i don't there's a lot of just cool moments that you kind of take for granted that it's, you're just there for them and like that's so much of what being a reporter is, is just being there and observing it yeah and uh you know i, I a pretty good memory so I can kind of catalog a lot of it but like uh, you know you think about like just some of like the personal interactions you have with players and getting to know them and mm-hmm. them saying what's up to you and making you kind of feel important when you see one mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. so like, like oh you remember me yeah like that type of stuff is always really good you know as, yeah. a, as a member of the media do you do you feel like or do you become numb to plays or is, do you still experience things to see in person be like oh my god I can't oh, believe you did that no like, absolutely like, like I couldn't imagine being there for Ray Allen's shot like, oh that is, man that was probably the most important shot in NBA history yeah I mean like it's I, just like I, I am definitely the guy sitting there watching the game going oh <laughs> like when something cool happens, is, oh my I'm gosh. always I'm always reacting to it. Like if something's awesome, it's awesome. And like the NBA, you see awesome stuff all the time. So, oh yeah. Um, whether it's a huge shot, I remember when Dame hit his shot, I like I like jumped up, like I couldn't believe it. Like it was just unbelievable. Uh, sorry, Thunder fans, but it was yeah. unbelievable. And like the moment, I like it was almost like it was almost like um, somebody like flipped off the mm-hmm. like the world, you know, like turned it off because it was like just the crush of sound and like 
um, like, and I'm sitting there like, I gotta, I gotta see everything all at once. I gotta take it all in. Like what's going on, you know? And like, um, getting down to the locker room. So like little moments like that, like, yeah. if you're not, if you're not like feeling that in your soul, like then you're not, you're not, uh, you're not in the right business. Yeah, man. That's, uh, that's, that, that's probably, that's like something only a few people get to like experience. You get to experience that all the time. Um, so being, being at games, I mean, I mean, it's the wrong time to say this because nobody gets to be at any games, but mm-hmm. like being at games is like, it is a different experience when you're there. And then also, I mean, selfishly, you, then you get to go down to the locker room, you get to be up close to personal, see them interacting mm-hmm. with family and coaches and everything else and kind of be behind the scenes Do with it. Do you still it. get starstruck, like seeing dudes? Um, or, is it, or are you just kind of used to it now? I don't know that I really do get starstruck with it. Um, was there anyone that you did like really? I remember on Kevin Garnett. The first time I saw Kevin Garnett for some reason in, in person, I was at a, a t- the 2010 All Star Game, I think, in Dallas, and I saw Kevin Garnett, and he had like his he had like his hoodie up, you know, kind of his trademark way, and he was mm-hmm. sitting at a table, and I hadn't I'd been around NBA players, but like um, I'd been around Kobe, I think, at that point. Uh, but like it was for some reason I like, came around a corner and I was like, Oh my gosh, Kevin Garnett. <laughs> and then our, the other person that it was that same all-star event. Um, I was waiting on an elevator at the arena and David Stern got out of it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's David Stern. <laughs> it's David Stern right here. And so like, that was like, my first two times to ever be like totally starstruck by anybody. But, wow. um, it doesn't really happen too much with players anymore. I remember seeing Zion the first. I, I went to New Orleans and covered Zion's debut, and uh, actually, I, th- I think I saw him. I saw him in person. He wasn't playing yet, but it was like early December, and it was just so much hype around Zion. And like, even though he's like 19 and I'm 35, and it's like a little, you know, feels kind of weird to be like, ooh. But I was kind of like this guy that everybody's freaking out about, and there he is in person. And I was like, man, he's built like a literal brick house. He looks like a vending machine standing there. Right. Like, he's six foot six, two eighty. Yeah. And he yeah. jumps out the gym. And he can move. Oh, it's, it's, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's an, he, he was one of the most surreal athletes I've ever seen. I, I told everybody when I covered his debut game, um, they were like, what was it like seeing Zion? And I was like, I say this in the in the, in the the most normal way I possibly can, but like his butt was amazing. <laughs> his butt is so wide. <laughs> like he is the most amazing he's butt I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just like you just don't see that sort of like backside on an NBA player ever. And yeah. like I was like, Zion is just like, he's a special. Uh, you mentioned earlier that, that, you know, you grabbed like some, some champagne corks and stuff. Yeah. Do you get that opportunity to grab like memorabilia every now and then? Do you have like a, a, I, know, I know but like because there's a fine line because yeah. the reason I asked I had a buddy of mine who used to work as a early on as a ball boy for the Thunder and he would always get you know shoes mm-hmm. and stuff and then somebody ruined the golden goose and they started yeah. doing asking too many questions and asking right. players and all that, hounding players for stuff and then they finally had enough is there anything like I'm sure right but uh, you know you have a trust with the players now that you've built up mm-hmm. it's taken you a long time to build that trust they, they know you I'm sure if you asked for someone, they'd probably give it to you. Yeah. But again, I would not like to be in that position because you never want to be that person. Right. right? Um, but is there anything cool like, you know, like the champagne corks or shoes or a jersey signing or anything no, like that? No, I would that never that, ask for something like that. No. The thing I would ask or for is like... anything has been given to you um, as like a thank you? There's been a few things that have maybe been given to me or just like main, more from the teams. Like yeah. I remember like um, after Russell signed an extension, somebody want, like went and bought me like one of the newspapers or something and was, thought it was cool to give that to me. Or like somebody like when I had an ESPN the cover, uh, ESPN the magazine cover story, somebody bought me uh, one and like framed it for me nice. um, from one of the teams. What was that story? Um, that one was on Paul George and Russell Westbrook, I think. And then I had, a, I've had two. And uh, the other one was, that might've been an interview. I did a, 
uh, uh, Q&A with Russell. It was for a cover story. It was one of those two. Mm-hmm. And um, So do they just kind of use you as like the middleman to like to get the story? Like, hey, we're going to – hey, we want to do the story on Russ. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like our our connection. Like is that kind of how that works out? Yeah, a lot of times, yeah. Okay. I mean like – and, you know, they know that – and for Russell specifically, he, he's kind of a trust person. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, Russell thankfully like trusted me – for the most part and would say like, I'll do it, but I'll do it if Royce does it or something like oh, that. Oh, wow, that's, cool. that's really So cool. like that would sometimes help me out. And, you know, that's part of like building a relationship. So to kind of like answer your question, it's it's like the thing that, that I would be asking for from them would be their time or their trust. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like if I'm walking out of the arena with a player, I wouldn't ask him for his shoes. I'd say, can I get five minutes with you? Yeah. And like, you know, if you can get him to say yes to that, then you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's just something cool, like kind of growing up, you've kind of getting away toward wanting like uh what's it called like physical things Mm -hmm. and it's more like moments and so like honestly just getting someone of that stature getting a little bit of their time yeah like yeah that means the world right and i think you know to that point like for me i'm thinking i mean we're we're at bedford's camera like pictures is what would be awesome i didn't know Mm -hmm. if you you know if if you have someone that you you know you have a great connection with a photographer that's like hey every time i'm like just snap a few pictures well like you know that would be awesome to me that's a good one like from the march 11th game which is kind of like this moment in history Mm -hmm. um a guy like that that works at channel nine steve mcgee who's one of the sweetest people in the whole wide world um took a bunch of pictures of me like just on his iphone and like sent them to me and i have like and like honestly those like having those pictures of like man that's that night where like he just took pictures of me kind of behind the scenes because he knew how how crazy that night was and like i i truly do appreciate that from him um but like i think i remember i can't remember if i got one or not there was a game i think russell had i think it was the 30 2020 game mm-hmm. he signed a whole bunch of box scores i don't think i got one though i think i just took a box score home with me thinking like this will be great and it's just a piece yeah. of paper and i bet i threw it away <laughs> i was the ball boy for the thunder the first year they were in town and it was the whole month of december and I got to put my foot next to Shaq's. Um, I got to, uh, I technically had a conversation with LeBron after the game. I ran across the court. Oh, just ask him. Yeah. Right. I ran across the court. I wasn't going to ask him for his headband because nobody would have believed me because he gives away, he used to give yeah. away his shoes. I, I was like, hey, LeBron, can I have your jersey? It's for my brother's birthday. It just came up bull- some BS excuse. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, sorry, man, can't do that. So he responded to me making that conversation. Right. So well, I've spoken to LeBron. So therefore, you guys are <laughs> yeah. best friends. I'm on the same level as Royce. Yeah, yeah, I've heard basically you text with each other, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything like is there any like super weird interactions you've had with just I mean it could be anyone players fans like just staff like is there anything that's just like oh yeah kind of really strange that comes to mind I mean I guess weird would be the right word I'm very non-confrontational so when somebody kind of gets mad at you I remember Kendrick Perkins was really mad at me yeah over something (laughs) of course it's Kendrick uh, and um, and, and Perk's one of my one of the people I got to know the best in the NBA and we're, we're on great terms now and we text and talk uh, a decent amount. But mm-hmm. um, I remember it was, I think this is when I was still doing daily thunder. It was early on when Perk was with the team and I had um, put something in one of uh, my stories, just kind of like a, it was kind of a jokey thing about what he was eating pregame. He had like this big plate of spaghetti, I think it was, or something like just a huge plate of spaghetti pregame. And I was like, you know, just, just kind of funny to me that like, 
you know, 45 minutes for the game, Perk's wolfing down some spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and I remember like Thunder PR guy like pulls me aside and he was like, hey, I wouldn't talk to Perk tonight. After <laughs> this is the next game. I was, like, I was like, why? I was like, he's pretty upset about the spaghetti thing. <laughs> what? I was like, so- what? I was like, I need to go talk to him. I was like, I need to tell him I'm sorry. I didn't know. And I was yeah. like, he was like, and the way he said it, he was like, I wouldn't. Like, like I was like, oh, okay. Of all things, spaghetti. I don't know. Yeah, he was, I think what it was is that Perk was supposed to be on a pretty strict diet. Uh, and I think okay. he was kind of breaking. Then I think I Got outed it. him. Um, but, like, there was that, that sort of thing. I had to, you know, I just had confrontations with the players over time where you just kind of get in hot water. Me and Russell had it out a few times over things. And, like, uh, you know, it's always uncomfortable, especially for me because I, like, I don't want to. I definitely right, don't yeah, want that, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, like. You overhear something. I mean, and it's just, you know, I don't want to say it's like your role is inherently combative, but players a lot of, in a lot of ways do kind of view you, some do view you kind of as an adversary, yeah. you know, like they're out to get me. What are they trying to listen for me? And, I, and look, early on, I was extremely immature and I made a lot of mistakes early on. And, you know, where uh, like I tweeted out something that I shouldn't have tweeted out, like that I overheard in the locker mm-hmm. room or something like that. And, you know, I just had to learn and kind of understand like what was fair and what was not. Um, and, you know, that was all just kind of some of that was, you know, I look back on it. and I appreciate the fact that like Russell got, you know, mad at me over something I tweeted out. Right. And yeah, because if he didn't, you might have. I might, might have just told somebody else, and you wouldn't have a job. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, and I still make those types of mistakes. I mean, I'm, I definitely, I definitely don't get it right all the time. Yeah. Well, you got to tread that fine line, haven't you? And it is such yeah, a fine oh, yeah. line. Yeah. To like getting a great story. You and want, you want the, somebody. People off. are craving. Like, that's the whole point of me being there. Is like, I'm, I'm the eyes and ears for everybody that doesn't get to see what happens in the mm-hmm. locker room after the game. I'm the guy that's getting to talk to Damian Lillard after he hits the shot. Uh, so, like, y- you feel a lot of. Uh, responsibility and pressure to do that while also not overstepping your bounds and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, tweeting out some personal exchange that, you know, Russ or whoever didn't want out there. Yeah. And so like, you know, it's, it's, it's a fine line to, yeah. and that's part of the job is kind of self editing yourself on some of those things. So for those that don't know, what are you doing with ESPN now? So you're not, you're not covering the thunder specifically anymore. You're just doing not NBA so much stuff. Or? Yeah. More, a little more general NBA. Okay. Um, thunder were kind of oddly relevant this year. So mm-hmm. I did end up, you know, writing a few thunder stories, but for the most part, like it's kind of a, you know, weird, place to be but it's kind of what I've wanted to do I've kind of wanted to transition mm-hmm. out of being just straight Thunder just because there's a shelf life on that at some yeah. point the Thunder are not going to be relevant in the NBA and they're going to mm-hmm. be a team playing in the second or third smallest market in the NBA and so where does that leave an ESPN reporter that's covering that team mm-hmm. so I need to I've you know I've gone to like Indiana I wrote a feature on Victor Oladipo I went to New Orleans with Zion I uh, wrote a Trey Young story hmm. like you know like uh, there's different stories that I'm out there kind of pursuing done few big swing feature things on uh, kind of different topics, not even related directly to current NBA. Even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I would just say, call myself more of just an NBA writer rather than mm-hmm. de- I'm definitely not a Thunder reporter. Anymore. Do you just sit back and let the stories come to you? Like, hey, we heard this about this guy. We want you to cover it. Mm-hmm. Or, like, how did, or is it just you like, hey, I found this out. Let me go do this story. It, it varies. I mean, sometimes you can like an editor, like the Victor Oladipo one, they were like, hey, you, you, did you get to know Vic at all? Like, we're, we really want, oh, a, okay. we want yeah. a story on him and his comeback from his, like, horrible injury that he had. And mm-hmm. so, they, you know, they kind of designate me to be a good candidate for that. And so then, like, yeah, I'll go do it. Cool. Um, so there are some kind of assignment-based ones. There are other ones where, like, it's m- maybe more of a passion project for me that I've kind of thought of on my own. Like, I had this really dumb story about uh, free throw defense that I wrote this year <laughs> and about how the creative ways that, like, players will play defense 
fights yeah. against each other. Well, there's like mainly it's just the, just the ways that they'll just distract each other, talk trash, yeah, um, to try to get each other to mess up at the free throw line. And that was a story like I just pitched them because I just noticed it at games. Like mm-hmm. this is what's happening, and, and it's uh, totally different to what. Anyone yeah, else is right. It's just a different type. Of, yeah. I love those types of stories, like the kind of just game within a game. Kind of like Shay Sharona, right? Yeah, just silly stuff. Yeah. You know, like don't take the game too seriously. And so that one, I had to kind of pitch and like kind of get them on board with what I was going for there. I've got a couple. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll I'm a big brainstorm person, mm-hmm. so I'll be throwing mm-hmm. them these ideas a lot. And you know, you just throw hooks in the water and hope that yeah, yeah, hope yeah. that they take one. You know, to that point, who is the best player? I guess that you've heard trash talk. Or even it might even be it's on the bench. It's got to be KG, right? I, uh, but I don't know that I've heard him trash. I, I was. I don't know if I heard enough of him. In I've person. heard stories about him. And his, I mean, I've, like, I've. Yeah, I mean, he, he brings will, people to tears. Yeah, he'll make you question your life. Um, <laughs> I mean, some of the guys are just like really, really clever. Uh, I don't know who the best trash talker is. Or any like mind games, I guess. I would say Chris Paul's pretty good at it. He really is. Um, He's just, uh, I don't know if he's, a, he's not really a trash talker, but he's definitely a mind game kind of guy. Um, I hate to say it, but like Damian Lillard's just so cool and calm, collected. Oh, like the way he just handles his business, mm-hmm. he doesn't really talk trash to you, but like he can get under your skin with how un- composed he is all the time. So he's really good. But um, I mean, there's, that's, that's one of the advantages in Oklahoma City is you sit close enough to the court where mm-hmm. you can pick up on some of those exchanges. Where, awesome. Whereas other markets, I mean, there's only, OKC's one of maybe, three or four where media has courtside seats so I feel pretty lucky still about that nice. yeah you're not getting courtside seats to the garden you? no no. You sit, you sit in the upper deck there get your binoculars out if, yeah. there's, if there's a new arena they're putting media up they, yeah. they realize those those seats are too valuable these what's days what's the most underrated city you've been to NBA city Salt Lake City I was about, I was gonna I was thinking you were gonna say Salt that. Lake City's fantastic I like Portland a lot I mean, Portland Portland's up. such a cool place man Portland's really cool it depends on when you go obviously yeah like and so during the NBA playoffs like I literally covered the Blazers <clears throat> like all the way through their Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. run last year. So, like, it started out the Thunder Blazers series, and eh, weather was a little iffy. And it got a little better during that Nuggets series. And by the time they got the Warriors, it was like mm-hmm. mm, perfect weather. <laughs> where'd, you, where'd, uh, where'd you go eat? Did you? Find oh, man. Cool places there? Did, you go, uh, did you go to Pine State Biscuits? I did, I did. That is the best. I take everybody there. When, whenever they came and visited me in Portland, I took everybody to Pine I went State. There. Um, I tried a bunch of new places. What's the uh, What's the really good sandwich place? Is it a big ass sandwiches? Is that Maybe, it? I don't know what it was. I can't, man, I'd have to remember what Portland's it was. Portland's like the food mecca. It's like oh, a man. huge food mecca. Incredible oh, food. Oh, my God. It's uh, so good. I had a few people kind of show me around and take me places. Slice, pizza. I think it's now Sizzle, Sizzle Pie. I think it's the pizza I think place I there. there. Yeah. That's really I good. I enough time in Portland. Yeah, I probably had yeah. all these places. But, oh, man. But I would say underrated Salt Lake City. Best food city. Best foods, OKC. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. No, um, Honestly, OKC's food scene. It's climbing. Uh, yeah. I don't. Yeah, OKC's got to actually. It, it's under. It would be underrated. I don't know mm-hmm. what the best food city would be. Portland's up there because they're. I mean, I, for me, I'm a little bit of a conservative eater. I'm not really stepping out and okay. like trying okay. a lot of. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, places yeah. that I feel kind of comfortable in, and Portland's comfort food yeah. central, and so like I felt good in Portland. Okay, for sure. Um, I always tell people my least favorite NBA city is Miami. Like, I hate I Miami. I feel like I would oh, hate Miami, Miami yeah, too. You, you I just say, definitely don't like Miami. See, not seems those like, cowboy boots. I, oh, no, I hate absolutely. Miami. It's just JV LA. It just wishes yeah. it was yeah, LA yeah. so bad, and it's not LA. It's gross. Yeah. I don't like Miami. Yeah, it's not fun. There's such a fine line between, like, mega rich mm-hmm. and then everyone else who's serving the mega rich. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played a good couple of golf tournaments there over the holidays um, a few years ago, and I was like, this is 
It cost me so much money to valet my car at the hotel every day. Like, get me out. I just yeah. feel like Miami's got like nothing. I, yeah, other than just, like the beach, like there's yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing there. Nothing. It so. doesn't have doesn't do much for mm-hmm. me. I mm-hmm. just went there. I hadn't been there in so long, and then I went there for a Dwayne Wade's jersey retirement. They sent me there for that, and yeah. um, I hadn't been there in a long time. And I was like, "Yep, still hate it." Do you get to meet like D Wade, like the big name guys a lot? Well, yeah, I did, uh, I did an interview with him for Sports Center. Oh was, wow, that's was, awesome! It was really cool. And the night he got his jersey retired, and it was it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. His Budweiser, cool. the commercial they did with him and his Bud, the Budweiser <laughs> one. It's so, have you seen that? I don't think I've seen. Oh, it uh, bring you to tears. It's so <laughs> good. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, have you met Tim Groper? Uh, you're talking about the trainer? Yeah, yeah, I've never yeah. met him in person. No, oh, it's just one of my favorite books. It just came to mind when you oh, said yeah. D-Wade. That's a, it's a really good book. Yeah, tra- MJ's trainer. Yeah. yeah. Um, Eric sent me a clip of you making it on TV. It's yeah. pretty famous. Yeah, the infamous <laughs> clip of you FaceTiming. So, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think everybody's seen it at that point. Oh, and oddly... Uh, out there, people seem to be a really boring game, right? It was, it, see, it, you know, some people were like, You weren't doing your job, and it was like, Okay, it was the Thunder versus Warriors when they blew them out this year. The Thunder yeah. were up by like 40 in the fourth quarter, oh, yeah. And it was an afternoon game, and I was missing the first sporting event ever that I've missed of my older son, my yeah. five year old Harrison. He was playing a soccer game, and I didn't, wasn't, oh, so that's where she was, yeah. okay. And I wasn't getting yeah. to watch it, and so she FaceTimed me, and I was just watching his soccer game instead. And so then she turned around on the baby, at right? The time, and so I was it's always like talking to oh. the baby, you know. <laughs> Dude, that it's was awesome. one of the funniest. And I, like, I got a bunch of tweets. It was like, was that you on TV making faces? And so then, like, uh, uh, Carrie had went home and yeah. she like recorded it off TV and sent it to me. I was like, ooh, I got caught. That's, awesome. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. so could have been a lot worse. Yeah, right? yeah, it could have been a lot worse. worse. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I guess we're getting close to an hour. I'll just over an hour. Finish with uh, two things. Um, what would you tell your? 20-year-old self, if you could, right, today? Oh, man. Um, invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what I would tell my 20-year-old self in terms of career advice. I mean, I, I'd probably just say, like, just kind of, you know, be, be nice to people, make good connections, and, like, just keep going for it. Like, just that's all you can do is just kind of grind and work hard. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I would just probably try to encourage my 20-year-old self to keep doing that. Send emails to a makeup email address yeah, and gamble I mean, on Presti's email address yeah, and everyone so. else's, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that story. I mean, you can go through and find some embarrassing emails that I had sent uh, to people, like, just begging, like, for attention, you know, oh, yeah. and... and uh, you know that's but that's what you do, and that's, that's why when I get, get them now, the I'm like, I I I'm not that far removed from that of like somebody yeah. sending oh, me yeah. an email. I mean, I love to uh, tell people all the time. You know, Zach Lowe is one of the best NBA writers there is, best mm-hmm. sports writers, period. Yeah. And Zach Lowe sent me an email when the True Hoop Network started, which is what Daily Thunder mm-hmm. was part of. And Zach Lowe was like, Hey, do you have in Henry Abbott's email address? I'd kind of want to do a Celtics blog. Uh, my name's Zach Lowe. I do this. And I was like, Yeah, man. And you know, I'm thinking like, Yeah, I'll help this young guy out. And like yeah. now Zach Lowe is like, <laughs> you know, like. Freaking best in the world of what he does. I do have some hypothetical scenarios. I want to put you on the hot seat. Okay. So I was want to see if you can run, if I can run them through okay. with you. Uh, 2012 NBA Finals, Game Two, 12 seconds left. Heat 98, Thunder 96. Kevin. He gets fouled. <laughs> if Kevin makes the shot, or he hits the two free throws, do the Thunder win the series? Or yeah, does I think that so. I mean, go? I'm just going to go based on the data, which would say I think the teams that go up 2-0 in a series win 80% of the time or something like that. Okay. So I'm going to okay. say yes. Uh, scenario number two, 2013. KD's MVP season. If Russ doesn't get hurt, do they win it all? Spurs went 58-24 and 24 that season. If Russ doesn't get hurt, do they win yeah. it all? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, they were the best team in the NBA, had an, a near-historic margin of victory, won 60 yep. games, I think, mm-hmm. and um, they... 
I, I can tell you this, the Thunder basically have a banner hung in their practice facility because they talk so much about that season thinking mm-hmm. that they would have won it all. So, uh, yes. Scenario number three, 2014, also the 69th NBA season in NBA history, nice. the nicest one. Um, if KD doesn't get injured, do they want it all there too? Because uh, that's, that's the year Russell Now we're talking three-peat all of a sudden. Yep, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> potentially, I mean, Big potentially. Yeah. Um, I don't know. that They... I'm trying to remember how good that team was overall. They were pretty good. I mean, Kevin was definitely like hitting a level. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I could see it. I mean, they like if you look at like that that like stretch of the Thunder from 2012 to 2016, like mm-hmm. they were kind of historically good overall yeah. in terms of just the consistency, the margin of like the kind of the stats that teams use to kind of distinguish how good that they really are. Mm-hmm. And I think the Thunder like were in terms of their net rating, they were like a plus six. So. I mean, I, I don't know that they would have won it, but who was the best team in the NBA that year? I think it was the Spurs. I think they, I think they, uh, they were the defending champs that okay. year. I mean, I could. The Thunder mm-hmm. kind of had the Spurs number, honestly, mm-hmm. when the Thunder were at their very best. So, yeah, um, 2015. Uh, but first, let me take you back to May 14th, 1989. Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers okay. just completed the greatest comeback in NBA history. Uh, and defeated the Seattle Supersonics in Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals to advance to their third straight NBA Finals okay. appearance. The next day in sunny Los Angeles, California, Michael Thompson and his wife, Julie, go out to dinner to celebrate. <laughs> Later that evening, they go home and make sweet, sweet love. If that moment never happened and Clay Thompson was never born, uh-huh. do the Thunder win Game 6 and go on to beat the yeah, Cavs I guess, in the Finals? I guess if Clay Thompson... My story, by the way. That was, <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. I, I tried to like dig into that I'm story crying a little, a little bit more. I know. But yeah, so if that moment between Michael and his wife Julie never happened, uh, Clay Thompson never existed. Do we win the, do uh, we win the finals that year? I could definitely. Uh, I think that the Thunder, if they if they were able to beat the Warriors, they were the best team in the NBA that year. Oh, like, by far. Even though the Warriors yeah. were the seventy three win juggernaut that they were, mm-hmm. when it came down to who was the best team at that moment. I mean, everybody you talked to in the league was like the Thunder were the best team in the NBA. So mm. I think that they. Would I just want. wanted reassurance, man. This is um, like just gave the Thunder four titles, here. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, best all time starting five based on their performance with the organization. Uh, so obviously Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, am I, do I have to stick to positions here? Yeah, well, I guess. I mean, just. Pick five, yeah, I, I mean, like a just give a starting five based on. Because I mean, I, I was going to fudge and say Paul George. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I mean, did he? Uh, oh yeah, I mean, you could say I, Paul I, George. You I mean, can't you, discount you, Paul George's contributions. He gave the that, Thunder. That's very, that's very true. He gave the Thunder yeah. seven first rounders and Shea Gilgis Alexander. So I think that's very you gotta true. Look, look beyond just the okay. on court. So I'll okay. say Paul George, it. Kevin Durant, Nick Collison. Obviously, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick. Um, then I would just probably say. I'm probably. We haven't been big in the power forward. Serge Ibaka, you gotta go. Serge Ibaka, you gotta go. Serge Ibaka. I guess Steven. That's a solid starting five, man. Forgetting somebody, I don't know. Harden. Oh yeah, Harden. Yeah. But would you say with his with his contribution? Because I mean, he didn't really. I mean, he was young. I mean, that's the thing is people like associate him so much with the Thunder still, but like he hadn't been with the Thunder in a decade basically, and he spent twice as much time in Houston as he has in Mm -hmm. OKC, but. Uh, look at the non-basketball guy coming in with the... Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty right. proud of myself on that one. Uh, 2023 NBA draft, hypothetically. Thunderland, Bronny James. Yeah. Does LeBron follow him and come to OKC? Will LeBron be like 39, 38? But he'll still be the best player in the NBA. Yeah. Absolutely not. Because <laughs> he wants to play with his, every, everybody knows. Everybody knows he wants to play with his son. And he's got his contract up, I think, in like... 
year mm-hmm. four or something like that. So the year that Bronny gets drafted, he's going where he goes. I mean, I, that, I think does, does LeBron play in Oklahoma City in two? I think obviously yes, and then the Thunder win the 24 t- uh, 2024 title, 2025 title, <laughs> 2026 title. <laughs> oh, perfect. I, I, yeah. I just I love hearing it's just that. Just so. put, put money on those bets right now. Just yeah. hypothetically. Though. Also, yeah. do you miss the Ford Center? Or do you like Chesapeake Energy <laughs> Arena? Well, it might be the Ford Center again then. In your future. We <laughs> 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 might go back to that. I don't know. Uh, that's the good old days of the Thunder is, that, the, yeah. is the Ford Center. Yeah, that's pre-me. I was not here at that point. Cool. Appreciate appreciate being on the Eric hot seat for the for, yeah, for hopefully this episode. Passed. So I just awarded your team this bunch of ten eight, minutes eight of titles. Titles. So. <laughs> uh, Well, I'm going to go back to my last question from uh, the two that I had. Um, I mean, I feel like I already know the answer to this, but I just want to hear you say it anyway. Uh, someone wants to get in to do what you do now. How do they do it? Um, I mean, I think a lot of it is. I mean making strong connections, um, showcasing your work. I think that one of the things that I've learned, especially with the current era of media, a lot of people are kind of um, intimidated by current media and they fear how volatile it is and how difficult it is and they see shrinking jobs everywhere, which all those Mm -hmm. things are very, very true. Um, But at the same time, there is just more opportunity than there's ever been in this industry. And I think of guys like um, Jason Concepcion, who um, literally just had a a funny Twitter account. Um, If you don't follow me, he's at Network. And he just had a funny Twitter account. And that's all he was. He just tweeted about the NBA. And now the dude's got a freaking Emmy um, because he's like, showcase what a good writer he is he's got like this great online show that he does for the ringer and so Mm -hmm. like you can just take example like after example like that of just like if you're good and you're willing to like put in the time and the work like people are gonna find you yeah and um and but also at the same time you gotta you gotta recognize what your strengths are and so that's that maybe if i was going back to answer your first question what i'd tell 20 my 20 year old self is like recognize what my strengths are and what i'm best at and it's not always what you want to do and those types of Types of th- two mm-hmm. things don't always cross paths is what you want to do versus what you're the best at. Um, so I think recognizing those types of things, finding your voice, and like getting to know some people and showing yeah. them how, how good Taking you can be. Taking some risks. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Definitely. Send awesome. some emails. Well, mate, I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you coming down, sharing some stories, uh, answering Eric's uh, hot seat questions. <laughs> I'm really impressed. That was really good. Hey, did really you like that? Yeah, Honestly, I, I was like, yeah. how can I like switch this up and make it different? <laughs> oh, thank you. And I, I say my podcast is stale? <laughs> you know. No. Yeah. <laughs> really shouting yourself out there. I know, yeah. <laughs> I need to give a backstory to how Clay Thompson was born. Nobody nobody thinks about that. Yeah, no, because nobody no, cares. Nobody does think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think this many is how my brain that. works. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no, it's been awesome. Uh, people listening, you definitely go follow Royce on Twitter because that's probably the best place to see his stuff at Royce Young. So yeah, we will catch you uh, next episode. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.